Hey, welcome to Night School 201, and I only know that that it's 201 because last episode was 200, and soon I'm going to forget what number episode it is, but, uh, you know, the last episode, episode 200, was just, it was a mess. It was purposeless. I didn't even know what day of the week it was. It was late. I was recording it, you know, late, late into the early morning hours, and I even got the day of the week wrong. I thought it was a better day of the week than it was. I thought it, in fact, was today, which is Thursday, but I'll save you the ceremony and just get into it. Because I want this episode to be short and sweet, because I have a very specific message for this one. And it's the idea of treating the abyss like running an errand. You know, when I say abyss, if you've been listening to this show long enough, I, I think you probably have an idea of what that means. You can take it as literally as you want or figuratively. It doesn't really make a difference. At the end of the day, it's just something that we all experience in our lifetimes. Uh, many people are experiencing it right now and might not even realize it. It's when someone's, you know, having some sort of existential distress. It could be mental illness, psychic pain, depression, uh, rumination, obsession, hatred. It could be physical pain, although I feel like that is a little different. I feel like when something is causing you some sort of actual sensory pain, I don't really think of the abyss when I think of that. Like when I hurt myself physically, it doesn't feel like soul damage. It hurts. But when I talk about the abyss, I'm talking about that deeper suffering. And it's the thing that leads people to try to find all of these solutions, these methods for untwisting themselves. It's what leads people on spiritual quests it's what sends people off looking for love anywhere they can find it. It's what leads people down paths. It's what leads people down a path where they're looking for something beautiful, but they end up taking anything as a substitute for beauty. They, they end up, they're seeking beauty, but in the, at the end of the day... They either get tricked or they just settle for all kinds of substitutes because they just want to have something. You know, the abyss, it's lies. I mean, I could really just go on and on. It's all those things that we know afflict us. And it could be, a, you know, a afterlife state. It's hell. You know, it's, it's when you feel like you're in hell for sure. So I don't know how much more I need to do to describe what I would call the abyss. But it's a place that we go to. And often not by choice. But I do think of it in the same way I would think of running an errand, because it has something you need. Because if you go through life just completely trying to avoid the abyss, well, that's a good way to get pulled into it. 
kicking and screaming, which is how you're going to get even more scraped up. Scraped up, twisted up. You know, you're going to be just writhing. And some people dive headfirst, just right into the abyss. And that can be a good way to deal with it. You know, deal with it early. Take care of that errand right off the bat, but a lot of people just never come back out. But I think of people sometimes who I've known who never broke any rules. They never broke a single rule. They're very meticulous. I think about people I went to school with and I worked with. I don't have too many friends like this. I never really had too many friends like this, but I just certain people where they were really always terrified of doing the wrong thing to the extent that they never even got their feet wet. And uh, it, good for them. Good for them. If they live pure and honest lives, good for them. But they don't have interesting stories in most cases. I mean, beyond the fact that they're a human being and we all have something interesting about ourselves, they just they don't have that contrasting story that I always talk about. It's just sort of uh, following the rules. But even then, you get sucked into the abyss. You get blindsided by it. You know, that's when you think you're walking over a patch of leaves and then you fall down that hole. But treating the abyss like running an errand, because it does have something that you need. And you can think of it as some sort of magical object if you want, like some kind of Indiana Jones adventure where you're looking for this sacred object. You're looking for something cool. But if you're going to think about it in terms of objects, I would think about it more in terms of something essential, like going to the grocery store, something a little more mundane, like going to the grocery store for something that you need, some food, some salt, going to the abyss for some salt. I would think about it more in those terms than something that is... Because, I mean, who goes through life and there's just this magical object that they need? As much as I'm prone to this magical thinking, as much as I am on some sort of spiritual path, it's like I don't think of life and go, oh, there's some object. There's some physical... There's a crystal. There's a crystal. Or some knife with a, a gold handle that I just need to complete my journey. I don't think of it that way. I wish. I love those sorts of things. I wish that's what it was. But really, it, the, when I think about going into the abyss to get what I need, it's often something that's just more... It's sustenance. It's something that will sustain me. Because the reality is, if you were on an, an adventure and you hadn't had food for days, weeks... And you were given the option of a magical gold-handled dagger and a meal. What would you take? I'd take the gold-handled knife because I could eat that. My body could my body could could find the nutrients in that. You know, it's it's you're probably going to take the meal. So I think you can think of journeys into the abyss 
the same way. But it's important to think of it as an errand because some people, when they're in the abyss, they're like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to be here forever. Because you get lost. You, you can easily get lost. You can lose your perspective. And you can even do that doing real errands. You can easily go to the grocery store and spend an hour just wandering around thinking about what you might want. And none of it sounds good. And even if you do settle on something, you take it home and you don't want it. I used to do that all the time. I mean, I have friends and I will not go to the grocery store with them. And I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I have a friend who I, I will not go to the grocery store with him because it ends up being, I don't, I, I feel like, I've said this before, he, I feel like he walks into a portal and you can't find him. And, and you're in there with him for an hour and then he ends up walking out with two things. And it's just like, what goes on here? What, what world do you enter here? And I, I felt that way myself. And I've had girlfriends and stuff where we would go to the store and it seemed like it would be easy. But we end up on this, it ends up being this existential roller coaster that actually has no peaks and valleys. It's like being on a roller coaster where you just stay straight and steady the whole time. There's nothing exciting about it. You're going down the aisles. What, what do you feel like eating, you know? And it's it's very much like the restaurant conversation. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? That doesn't sound good to me. No, you come up with an idea. Oh, no, but I don't like that idea. And that ends up being like one of the worst kinds of fights because it's just it's a hunger fight. It's a boredom fight. It's all those things. It's an abyss fight. That's an abyss fight. And people often don't recognize it. You know, couples who are fighting about what restaurant to go to or couples who are aimlessly walking up and down the aisles trying to decide, like, whether they want chicken nuggets or steak. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if anybody makes that decision. I think it's, the steak is the easy answer there, but... Uh, but, you know, couples, they don't even realize in that moment they're in the abyss. And they're running an errand within the abyss. But they're lost. They're lost. And But you do it yourself. I used to, it used to happen to me all the time. It used to happen to me when I would, like, smoke pot and then go to the grocery store and be like, I can get anything I want. I can eat anything tonight. I can eat anything I want tonight. And then you go there and it's just, you're lost in this maze Whereas once I started getting structured, like I have a very boring diet, like I eat the same thing every day. And I'm there. Sure, there are exceptions. It's not like I don't and it's not even breaking a rule or anything like that. But it's just, yeah, like you know, once in a while I can afford a steak or salmon or something. But it's for the most part, I'm going to stick with chicken. You know, I, I eat the same thing every day. And while that sounds boring to people, it's all you foodies out there. To all you foodies, I know it sounds really boring, but uh, even though that sounds boring, it's way better than the dread of having to make that decision every night. You know, because I used to, even though I, I used to, it's like, oh, I, I can get high and I had a well-paying job. So I, I had this great job that paid me all this money so I could buy anything I wanted in the store. 
and I uh, would get high or I would be planning on getting high, whatever it was, whatever the order was, involved the idea that everybody, every stoner loves of getting high and eating, you know, and so I would do that and then I would go wander around the store and just leave not feeling happy about the grocery store Chinese food that I left with. And it'd be like, oh, I, I have the whole, I have all the options available to me tonight. I can get takeout too, because it's not just the grocery store. I can do, I, I have all the options available to me. Maybe not, maybe I'm, I'm not in New York. I'm not in New York. I can't get the best linguine in the world tonight, but I can get the whatever I want in town here. And I would leave feeling, you know, I would have this existential, you know, I'd be stuck in this maze of trying to figure out what I wanted, and I would leave not really liking what I got, and, and it, you, I'd repeat that. I would spend a lot of time. So it's like then it might be boring to just eat the same thing more or less every day, but I'd, ra- I, I'd way rather be bored by my diet, and I'm not bored by it, but like I'd, I'd way rather have what seems like a boring diet than be experiencing some sort of dilemma over what I'm going to eat all the time and spending all this extra time like browsing, you know, the grocery store deli section or whatever it is. So sometimes you can trade consistency, you know, uh, for, you know, while while consistency can be boring, sometimes it's a better trade-off than just the dread of options and choices and and then it's nice to know you have them when you really feel like varying it up or when someone else has a suggestion or that sort of thing but i you know you think about going into a grocery store you go in with deliberation you know what you're going to get and and you you leave you know you don't spend extra time there and it can be fun you know it can be fun to go to a grocery store maybe not a, less a grocery store but it's like i've i've had a lot of fun dates like when you're in a relationship, I've had some really fun dates where you, you decide to go to Walmart or Walgreens, stores that start with Wall, but only one L. And you, you go to stores like that, and you just browse around, and maybe Costco. You don't plan on getting anything, or you, you, you plan on getting very little, but you kind of make a date out of the absurdity of it all. And you just browse around, you look at the sunglasses, you look at the as-seen-on-TV aisle, and that's a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun doing that. So that's kind of that's kind of being like, you know what, I'm going to go into the abyss and find something fun today. And in doing that, it's not even the abyss, because it's not, you're not playing the demon game. Because you never want to go into the abyss and say, I'm going to have some fun here, and and have that turn into demon fun. Because that's readily available. There's people who end up in a personal hell, and they think, you know what? Since I'm, since I just feel like I'm in hell all the time, since I just feel like I'm in the abyss all the time, I'm just gonna have demon fun, and that's horrible. That you know, that's everything bad. That's why we have jails. That's why we have guns and knives. Is because there are some people out there who are in the abyss, they're in hell, and they say, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm, I think I'm just going to have some demon fun. And that's why we have self-defense classes. But you can go to places like, you can run errands and, and these things that could be dreadful if if you're not deliberate. You know, because like, I don't want to go to Walgreens and think I want something but not really know what and spend an hour there. But you can make fun of that. You can you and your girlfriend can go there and be like, hey, we're just going to actually make this a kind of a joke trip. That's what I mean by having fun in the abyss. Not demon fun, but a joke trip. And, uh, you know, some places are better than others. And I was going to say Target, but I feel like Target's always good. I feel like as far as errands go, Target has never felt like the abyss to me. Maybe I've gotten, you know, a whiff here. Maybe I've gotten just... I've smelled a little bit of sulfur once or twice in Target when I just wasn't in a good mood. But for the most part, I feel like I can go to Target and uh, find a jacket in the men's section that I like. You know, I feel like I can... And also find, you know, a deal on protein bars. So I don't know. Target's never really done me wrong. Somehow I think they've managed to create a store... That is among the least abysmal that I've been to, at least. But let's get away from this. You know, I, I, I should have known that talking about stores would turn this into a very elaborate, literal conversation about stores when I'm just using it as a metaphor. Uh, you know, where when it comes to going into your personal abyss. It's it's what I talk about when I talk about catabasis and anabasis, when you feel yourself sinking down, when you feel yourself more agitated than usual, you feel yourself dwelling on dark subject matter, you're distracted, you're not feeling great, and it's, and it's not a one moment. You can tell you're kind of in a sinkhole. And that's catabasis. You know, you've sunk down, you've descended, you've gone into the abyss. Maybe not super deep, especially if you're aware of it, you can catch yourself. And uh, it's, it's what I say when I say, do that, but do it with the intention of coming back out. Be like, okay, I recognize right now I'm in that sinkhole, I'm in that abyss, at least my, my toes are. You know, I mean, I, I, I know what this is, is basically what it comes down to. But you say, I'm go- you know, I'm going to ascend out of this, too. And that's what I mean when I say, you know, going into the abyss should be like running an errand. And I think a lot of people don't realize that the abyss does have something you need. Carl Jung understood it. You know, when Carl Jung talked about the shadow, you know, anybody who, who's ever done any sort of spiritual work understands your dark side is a very, uh, it's a lush, fertile field, you know, it's, it's, it's where you're going to get a lot of the things that you're going to use constructively when you're in the light. And uh, it, it, so that's what I mean when I say going into the abyss it should be like running an errand because you, you are retrieving something. You are purchasing something maybe. 
there is something there. And, and, you know, like I was saying a minute ago, it doesn't have to be an actual physical object, and it probably isn't. Because if there's some actual physical object, if there's some pink pair of scissors out there that when you find them, your life is complete, well, whoa, my mind's blown. But more than likely, it's going to be something that's invisible. So you're running an errand into the abyss to find something invisible. <laughs> that's, that sounds really easy, right? That's why people get stuck there. Because they're looking for something that it, they can only know if they come into contact with it and experience that sensation. It's one of those things where you just kind of know it. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a feeling, it's a sensation, it's Gnostic. It's knowledge through experience, knowledge through sensation. But you know it. That's the important thing. You know it when you feel it. And uh, sometimes that can happen literally in, in the store. <laughs> you know, sometimes that can happen where you see the, you see the meal. You see tonight's dinner and you know that's the right thing tonight. Sometimes that does happen, but most of the time when it comes to your journey into the abyss, it's not going to be something you recognize by sight. And you meet people, you know, you meet people in life who they're in the abyss and they're looking for something and you can tell they're looking for something. They're distracted. They're always looking around. They're never content. And it really is like somebody who just went into Walgreens one day and never left. Like, let's say you go to Walgreens. You know, I don't go to Walgreens that often. Let's say it's once a month, not even. Maybe uh, maybe once every... Maybe I have a quarterly visit to Walgreens. And let's say every time you go to Walgreens, you see the same person shopping. Eventually, you're going to be like... Why are you here every time I'm here? Is it a coincidence or are you here all the time? You know, are you are you wandering around Walgreens all the time? Did you come into Walgreens one day and never leave? And you'll meet those people in life who entered the abyss and they never left. And some people do turn into demons or they're like, you know what? I, I recognize that I'm stuck in the abyss and so I'm just going to have demon fun and hurt people hurt myself and hurt people. I'm going to get real twisted. I'm going to grow horns. But there's a lot of people who don't know they're doing that, or they're like baby demons, and they don't even realize that they're having demon fun because they're just so bored because they went into Walgreens and never left. They entered the Walgreens abyss, and they never, they forgot where the exit was. Um, and... Uh, you know, and you know, I mentioned like friends and stuff who I won't go to the grocery store with, and I, I don't think those people. I mean, I love those people, and I don't think they're stuck there forever. I don't think they're they're not demons. They're not grocery store demons, hungry ghosts haunting the aisles of a grocery store. But they're just looking for something, and to me, it's not fun to go into a store with someone who is going to go into into some kind of like existential trip where they don't know what they want 
and that ends up just wasting a bunch of time. I'm very serious about this, you know, but uh, but yeah, it's you, you got to think about it like running an errand in the same way that you recognize when you're descending into catabasis because it's not entirely a choice. Yeah, you can choose to go into the abyss. Like I said, some people dive head first. It's like uh, well, I know the I know the abyss is gonna suck me in, so I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in the abyss first. I know my girlfriend's going to cheat on me. I know she's going to cheat on me, so I'm going to cheat on her first. Um, you know, it's that sort of mindset. It's a it's it's like I'm going to I'm going to preempt this thing. I'm going to beat this thing to the punch. But you know, when you do recognize that you're descending into the abyss, you know, it's not all voluntary. You know, because like speaking for myself, it's like really, it's like I'm at a point in my life where I'd be happy not to descend. There are times where I think it was necessary, but I mean, I think there's still something for me there. I think that it's it's like a an errand that you do have to repeat. It's like going to the grocery store. It's it's not like buying a a Sony stereo system. Where you just got to go once every 10 years. It's not like going to... Uh, it's not like buying a hammock. It's more like going to the grocery store. Where you just know periodically you have to descend into the abyss to run that errand and get something that's essential for you. Maybe it's the same thing every time. Maybe it's something a little different. I don't know. But it is interesting to me how it, it doesn't feel like you really have a total choice, but when you recognize that you are descending, you can then do it deliberately. In the same way that you know you have to run an errand and you don't necessarily want to do it, but you carve out the time and you take control over it. Rather than waiting until you're starving, rather than waiting until it's dinner time, I have a great idea. I have this. Here's some relationship advice for you. Relationship advice for your relationship with yourself, and if you have a significant other, relationship advice for that too. Wait until uh, it's dinner time, and you're real hungry. Then go to the store and have a conversation with yourself about what you want to eat. Have a conversation with your girlfriend about what you want to eat. I'll tell you what you'll be having for dinner if you do that. You'll be having a, a little uh, slice of the abyss. You'll be having a little slice of the abyss, a, a, an appetizer. You might you're gonna eat later if you got the money. You're gonna you're gonna get something to eat, but first you're gonna have an appetizer called the abyss. That's a little slice of the abyss. It's like uh, they're bringing you bread. It's like when you go to a restaurant and they bring you bread. They bring you, uh, you know, you go to some restaurants and there's, there's bread, there's like slices of bread wrapped in a, a napkin. It looks all fancy. You're at a, Basically, you're at a restaurant and they bring you that little basket and something is wrapped up in a napkin, kind of a fancy napkin, and you unwrap it and you just get a little slice of the abyss right in your mouth. 
it flies into your mouth. That's the thing about when you when you have the abyss as an appetizer, it just flies right into your mouth. You don't even have to use your hands. That's the magic of it. It just flies right into your mouth. Chews itself. It doesn't even need to be chewed. It's like some kind of baby formula. It really is. <laughs> it really is. It's like a baby formula. The, if the abyss actually had a consistency, it would have the consistency of baby formula, and it would just fly right into your mouth. It would float. Even though it has the consistency of baby formula, it's, lo- it's like uh, astronaut... You know, it's, it's like when water's floating around a spaceship in those videos of astronauts in space. That's the consistency of the abyss. But you can treat it like running an errand. You just, you go, oh, I'm entering a catabasis. I'm descending. I'm looking down at my ankles and I see that they are, you know, about, you know, a few inches down in, uh, into this abyss. And, and you say to yourself, okay, I know what's going on. But I know that I'm going to ascend back out. I know that I'm going to go through that process of anabasis. And, you know, using language that people can understand, that's just running an errand. All you're doing is running an errand. Because you only have so much control. You can choose the store, you can choose the time, but you can't choose whether or not you need that thing or not. And you might not know you need it. But I think it is essential. That sort of dark night of the soul can be essential, and it's terrifying to people to stare at it face to face. It's terrifying to stare at the abyss face to face and try to be deliberate about something. Well, here it is to stare at something face to face that is invisible. It's like being in a dark room and someone's standing there and you know they're there, but you can't actually see them. But having to do it anyway. I think that's what it's like to travel into the abyss with some deliberation. It's to try to see that thing that's there while accepting that you won't actually see it, but you can sense its presence like a person in a dark room. a lot like that and that's better than not sensing the presence and you think oh that's scary and I can't see him so you're telling me I have to go into a dark grocery store and I can't see nothing and I'm supposed to just detect the presence of another person who's just standing there staring at me What kind of Nietzschean joke is this? Um, but yeah, that's what you got to do. And my question would be, would you rather be in a dark room where there's another person standing there and you can't see them, and would you rather not feel their presence? That sounds a lot more terrifying to me. I'd rather know that they're there. I'd rather feel that presence, even if it scares me. Um, but uh, it might be getting a little too abstract there. 
might be getting a little too far out there, but the point is deliberation. Deliberately going in and deliberately going out. Some people deliberately go in and they don't deliberately leave. Deliberately going in, deliberately looking for something that you need, and deliberately leaving. That's what running an errand is. I could teach classes on running errands. First of all, you, you park in the back of the parking lot. That way you're less likely to park next to somebody. It's like a urinal. You know, I, I knew I couldn't use stores as an example here because I would just talk about my very real philosophy on shopping. But that's important, too, because like I said, I think I don't think it's a coincidence that even something as simple in our American society as going to the store is a source of existential dread for many people. Because I've seen it. I felt it. Like that invisible presence in the room. You know, I've seen, you know, I've, I've felt it more than anything. Uh, and, you know, but as far as shopping goes, this is, this is my shopping advice. It's always park in the back of the parking lot. You, doesn't, you don't have to park in the very, very back, last possible parking spot. But generally, park toward the back of the parking lot. All those people who think, oh, I, I need to get a spot up close. I need, to, I need to get a spot up close. Because think about that. That's a great example. People are very similar in the way they look for a parking spot as they are when they're looking for what they want for dinner in a grocery store. Well, they'll drive around aimlessly in the parking lot waiting for somebody up front to leave. And I get it if you're in a wheelchair. I get it if you walk with a cane. I get it if you're old or you, maybe you have small children. It's not that I don't recognize that some people on a practical level need to be closer to the door because they're not able-bodied. I get that. But if you are an able-bodied person of any kind, why are you worried about parking at the front of the lot and why are you driving around in circles and waiting for somebody to leave? You know, just there's going to be a spot near the back of the lot. You know, uh, there's going to be a spot near the back of the lot. Park there. Walk the short distance. You'll immediately have less existential dread. If you're worried about carrying bags out, you get a cart. There's a reason why they have cart stations all throughout, you know, parking lots. You know, they have those little stations where you can leave your cart and employees go and retrieve them. That's so that you can park in the back of the lot and not have to walk the the cart all the way back to the front door. You know, I mean, these these places figured it out for you. And that's an important thing to remember about the abyss. <laughs> Is that, you know, a lot of people have figured things out before you. That's why you can read scripture from thousands of years ago that, yeah, may have passed through many hands. Maybe, you know, maybe scripture has to be translated to you using examples like Starbucks and Target and banana split, you know, desserts. I don't know. Whatever it is, you know, McDonald's, McDonald's, um, you know, you know, maybe it has to be explained in terms you understand, but these are things people have been dealing with for a very long time, and you don't necessarily need to look for something new, but you do need to feel it. You do need to have the sensation inside. You do need to feel the epiphany. 
And when you realize that the abyss is simply running an errand, getting something you need and coming back out, that's an epiphany. If that resonates with you, if that idea resonates with you at all, give yourself some credit because that's an epiphany right there. Being like, oh, I'm going to enter into this state that is unpleasant and that that when I resist it, it seems to pull me even harder and it seems to have little teeth. Seems to have little teeth that I feel, you know, because uh, it's it's it when it's when it's pulling me in, it's doing it with its teeth. It's doing it with its jaws. You think the abyss uses its hands? The, the abyss grabs you with its teeth and pulls you. And uh, but when you recognize that you can treat it like an errand, and maybe it's your whole life. Maybe your whole life is contending with the abyss. I think it's pretty true for everybody. But some people are born into the abyss, and some people will have a much greater struggle. And I, you know, I don't know what to say about that. It's easy to feel guilty. If you've had a good life or a better life than somebody else, if you had a relatively good life, it's easy to feel a lot of guilt. And we can see what that's doing to people right now. We can see where people who feel that they were born into a better life than other people, rather than doing anything actually constructive, they're screaming. They're pointing fingers. They're whipping themselves. Psychic, with those psychic electric whips that, that we can all produce at a moment's notice, they are whipping themselves. Original sin. You know, people are, there's people right now who suddenly realize that original sin is real. And it was translated to them in terms that they now understand. Because original sin didn't make sense to them. When they heard original sin all these years, the idea didn't make sense. Why should I feel guilty for something that I didn't even do? You know, they were saying that. They were smart. They were educated. Oh, why would I feel guilty for something that some book says I I did that I didn't even do? And some guy got nailed to a tree because I did something? And then now here they are like, I'm born with this privilege. I'm born with this, this legacy of white... You know, these people suddenly, in the same way that you, like, in the same way that someone who doesn't, you know, you'll, you'll hear people like Ram Dass be like, well, when you go to, when, when you're looking for Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and they don't have it. He actually said that. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine, she was telling me how she had a a Buddhist teacher who used to always use Starbucks as an example. And when she told me that, I was like, oh, that sounds like me. You know, and not that I'm a Buddhist teacher, but like just the, like that's like my go-to. It's like when you're waiting in line at Starbucks, it's easy to do that. And there's a reason. I mean, if you were to go back to the the times in which Scripture was written, you'd find that all the things that the Scripture is saying would probably be Starbucks to the people who lived back then. It's like when your goat get when when your goat gets struck by lightning and we're like wow 
That's magical. That's so ancient and magical and rustic. But to somebody who was alive when the Bible was written, I don't I don't think there's anything about a goat getting struck by lightning, but there's of course like pestilence and cattle death. But let's just, I, I like that example of a goat getting struck by lightning. And it's like someone back then, it's like they're reading scripture, or scripture's being written or verbally told. And it's like, yeah, so, so let's say you're in the field and uh, let's say you thought an evil thought. Let's say that you went into the abyss and then your goat got struck by lightning. And they're like, to them, that's like saying, Let's say you you got a cup of coffee at Starbucks and then uh, you know you went to uh, you know put the sugar in and you spilled it all over yourself. You know it's like that's like the same thing to somebody who lived back then. So you have to remember that you know it's okay to use terms you understand, but it can get kind of cheesy too. Um, but uh, so you you know use language think use things you can relate to of course I mean I personally relate to goats getting struck by lightning. You know, uh, you, you know when you when you're trying to herd your goats while you're trying to put the cream and sugar in your Starbucks coffee and uh, you get struck by lightning. Uh, but but anyway, I mean, there are some people, like I said, there is a relativity to our experiences, and, you know, you can get karmic about it. Some people, I think some people bypass, I think some people try to bypass the abyss with karma by using karma as an excuse. You know, they they try to spiritually bypass the abyss by saying it's all karma. That person born without feet... That person born up, you know, without feet and, uh, you know, no eyes in the abyss in a, vill- in, a, in a village in Africa facing, you know, a drought. You know, it, some people look at that and they say, well, they must have had bad karma, which is a sick thought in my opinion. You know, I think that is, even though I do have, I, I've, karma has grown on me. I will say that. I, it was something I didn't used to think about much. I always thought about doing good deeds and, and hoping, you know, maybe people would do good deeds for me. Not that they necessarily had a relationship, but I never really thought about the reincarnated aspect of karma. And, and I wanted to keep this short, so I'm not going to go into it. Um, but, you know, I don't. That said, even though I've become more receptive to the idea of inherited karma, and the relationship that karma has to an idea like original sin. I would never look at somebody who was born into a horrible situation and say, I guess they just need to go through this because they accumulated negative karma in a previous life. Even though I like that idea, I just don't think I should think that way. I actually do like that the idea of that. Because it does make things seem designed. Not necessarily deserved. It doesn't necessarily mean that person deserved to be born into a bad situation or that somebody else deserved to be born into a good situation. But it does make things seem planned or designed, which is a source of comfort no matter what. It's like I always say with conspiracy theorists, where even though conspiracy theorists, it's always something bad. Oh, these people are getting together and they're doing something bad. You know, even though it's always something bad, 
I realized that conspiracy theorists are so attached to these conspiracies, no matter how outlandish they are, because it's a source of comfort to believe that things are actually planned by people, even if they are bad things. Conspiracy theorists think, well, all these people are getting together to, to F with me. But that's more comforting to them than the idea that it's just the chaotic abyss effing with them. It's, it's easier for them to think that there are people doing something deliberately to hurt them behind closed doors than it is for them to believe that it's just chaos. It's, you know, a, a chaos tornado and occasionally it throws you around. I mean, it's a lot more comforting for people to believe there's a plan. And I think that plays out with karma, where it's more comforting for people to believe that, oh, those people were meant to live a a really hard, bad life because they need to work out their karma. I like the idea, and I've, I've grown more receptive to that idea of karmic inheritance, But just on a human level, I don't allow myself to go through life thinking that way because I don't want to think that... Because I think that that's... You can use that to justify being a demon or or even just being... You know, you can use that to justify doing nothing when you could do something to help somebody. And you can use it as as a way of avoiding abysmal thoughts you know it can you know it's sometimes maybe you need to think about the fact that you have it better than somebody else you should and thinking about that can easily take you into that abyss that i'm talking about thinking about the fact that you may have been born into a life that is easier safer healthier more plentiful You know, sometimes thinking about that can take you into the abyss because you're like, it it makes you feel guilty. Because when I say the abyss, you know, I I include guilt in that. Guilt is a big, you know, guilt is a, a sharp slope right into the abyss. But that doesn't mean that you need to beat yourself up. It doesn't mean you need to create that electric psychic whip in your mind and and just go to town on your own back, you know? It doesn't mean that. Again, it's it'll take you into the abyss. To recognize that you have some sort of advantage that somebody else didn't have, that you didn't necessarily earn, and that they didn't necessarily do anything to deserve either, you know, to think about that is, is an errand. It will take you into the abyss, but that is a great example of the errand. And I don't know what you're going to come out with, but you can see where right now people are coming out with weird things. Because a lot of people are dealing with this right now. There's a lot of people in my age range, my peers, who grew up memorizing rap lyrics, dressing like black people, and now they feel guilty because they're realizing that the, they... I don't even know what they think because I'm, I'm not them and I don't have the issues that they have. And I don't say that condescendingly. I'm just saying that, like, there's a lot of people who have this sudden guilt where they're like, oh, 
you know, certain people have a harder life than I had, and I just sort of uh, frivolously, like, memorized rap lyrics and used slang and fashion that I I saw black people using. And now I'm going to scream at my uncle at Thanksgiving. And that's a person who's in the abyss. But the the stuff that they're coming out with, the errands that they're running to me are, they're coming back with weird things. And I think that's all I'm going to say about that right now, because I know that it's hard to avoid. And I like to think of this show as a oasis away from current events, but it's unavoidable sometimes. And that oasis can also be uh, the abyss. You thought this was an oasis? You thought this was a pool of sparkling, pristine water? Well, guess what? There's There's an amoeba in this water that'll make you sick. Oh, you thought this was a sparkling oasis in the middle of a desert, huh? I would love that. I would love it if somebody who still listens to this show thought that this show was a sparkling oasis. Uh, but it turns out there's a uh, turns out the water will give you malaria. You thought this was an oasis. Turns out it was an abyss. No, hopefully not. Hopefully this show's not an abyss. That's all I want. That's all I want. I don't want this show to be an oasis. I, w- I just don't want this show to drag anybody into the abyss. And I think it could have in its earlier incarnations. I don't know. I think early on, I, w- I, mean, I was certainly in the abyss. Like, I mean, I think about that 20-minute episode I did like six years ago where I played, it was an Every Night's a School Night episode, and I just, I played a song called Your Wild and Wicked World. I think it was by Ben Showalter, and uh, I I was going to do a full episode, but I was just in such a negative state of mind. I was just like, you people and your wild and wicked world, and I played one song, and then I ended the episode. You know, that's, <laughs> that's abysmal. Uh, so, I mean, I think this show used to be an example of, you know, somebody who was in the abyss, and it still is because I still run errands there. I still go there. But I I want to be able to explain it in constructive terms. I want to be able to do something with it. And I think the best way that I can put it, you know, because I I think words like catabasis and anabasis aren't relatable. Who would have known? Who would have known that words like catabasis and anabasis aren't immediately relatable to the layman? The layman. The Cayman. Who would have known that uh, words like uh, catabasis and anabasis aren't immediately relatable to a layman on the Cayman Islands? You know, it's stupid. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think running errands is another way of putting that. It's my way of talking about, uh, you know, to, to some person, it's their goat getting struck, to, struck by lightning. To me, it's running errands at Walgreens. But it's the same thing. And that's how you know I'm crazy. <laughs> I, I, that guy, Eric. That guy, Eric, you know, he, he said something that really concerned me. He said running errands at Walgreens is the same thing as your goat getting struck by lightning. 
I think he needs to do the work. I think he needs to do the work. I'm doing the work. This show is the work. This show is the work. What kind of work? I don't know. I mean, for some people, it's like building your own deck. It's 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 your big project. You post pictures on Facebook. You're like, I'm. Look at me. I we built the basic uh, structure, and uh, now we're we're doing this. We're we're building this part of the deck. Uh, and the only person that cares is your aunt. Look at we, and it's impressive you built your own deck, but nobody else really cares. And so that's probably what this show is. This show is me building my own psychic deck. And I actually don't mean a physical, like a porch deck. I don't mean like a deck on your house. I actually mean this show is me building my own psychic deck of cards. And I'm getting all of the signals. Talking about, you know, you think about feelings and sensations. And I'm getting all of the feelings and sensations that I need to end this episode. You know when you come to the conclusion that you are building a psychic deck of cards, you hit stop. You hit stop. But the the point stands, running errands in the abyss. Think of it that way. It, it could probably help you to think of things that way. And I don't know what to say about the bigger abyss, the larger abyss, when everybody's in the abyss together as they seem to be right now. I don't know what to say about that other than you can take the same approach when it comes to your own life. You can, I mean, you, you're still running errands. I mean, I think that's the amazing thing about Coroni Island. That's the same thing about this adventure we've all had being stuck on Coroni Island, is that we've still had to run errands. Even though we're quarantined, even though we're all quarantined on Coroni Island, we still have had to run errands. And what's a better illustration of running errands in the abyss than having to do it with a mask six feet away from other people wearing gloves. Maybe you can take that approach to all of the other errands, the less real errands. I mean, they're just as real, but the maybe you can take this, the metaphorical errands that you have to run in the abyss. Maybe you can use the example of wearing a mask and wearing gloves and staying away from people. Maybe you can use that example metaphorically too. But right now it seems like in our real waking lives, we're also running errands in the abyss. And the fact that we have to wear masks and worry about public freakouts and that everybody seems upset about everything, I mean, I think that's proof enough. That's proof enough that whether it's a metaphor or whether it's our waking reality, right now we are all running errands in the abyss. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me 
And when the morning sun reveals her hills and plains, I see a land where children can run free. So take.